0: It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us for broadcasting from the Morton Studio today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian and it is Farmer Friday. That means if you've got an agronomic question, today's your day. Our phone lines are open throughout the whole show at eight four four. Forty-four Ag PhD. We'd love to help you out. You can always email us as well, radio at agphd.com. That email box is pretty handy if you get pictures or soil tests or, or just have a long explanation uh, with some background to get into your question. That's it's a good way to do it. Uh, of course, you can also do both. So you can send us a soil test and give us a phone call here to talk about that as well. So, Brian, speaking about soil tests, man, we've got a pile of them here to to look at. And, you know, a lot of times people have a question of, okay, here's my soils. I think zinc's my problem. What do you think? Or, hey, I have this rented piece of ground. I got, I got one in front of me now. It's a rented piece of ground. And, you know, a lot of times you walk into... You have no idea what, because it's just, hey, there's ground for rent, and it's whatever, $100, $200 an acre. I want to go
1: rent that ground. You have no idea what the fertility situation is, just what the price is. Yep, that's right. And renting versus owning your ground makes a lot of difference in terms of what you want to do for fertility and liming, because the fertility and the lime aren't just going to stick around for one year. They're going to be there for a long time. So anyway, let's get to specific questions here, though on our Ag PhD mailbag.
2: It's now mailbag time with
0: Brian and Darren. All right, Uh, this one comes from Brendan, and he said, all right, guys, got a couple of rented fields here. Both of them went into oats this year, uh, and I went out and pulled six-inch soil cores here, so the NE17 field. And the Ne 32 field are the two different fields, and you can see there's multiple things there for each one. Uh, so he said the the 17 field went 166. I put on 110 to 125 pounds in. the the Ne 32 field only went only went 134 bushel per acre. That's some pretty good oats there, Brendan.
1: Wait, wait, wait. What was the first one? 166 bushels. Oh, loads. 166. Okay. And the second
0: that. field yeah. went 134 and he put on anywhere from 110 up to 140 in some areas. Uh, and they, they got the same rate of phosphorus, sulfur, that that kind of stuff. Uh, but trying to match up soil tests to yields, I'm puzzled by the differences between these two fields with the samples, to me at least, not looking a whole lot different unless I'm missing something. Um, I, I would have thought that that 17 field could have done even better. But uh, just kind of curious, uh, what do you guys see? I know the P, K, and S okay. levels are okay. low. Okay. I'm just curious what, what you would do to raise that, and then could I uh, band it with my
1: disc drill or should I spread it on top and work it uh, in? Okay, but when we talk about matching up yield... To Soil test. We're talking about specific points. Now, if your soil tests were from a specific GPS point, and maybe let's call it a 10-foot radius around that, then you want to match that yield up right in that specific spot. It doesn't do you a whole lot of good. It doesn't do us a whole lot of good to say, oh, we got six samples for a quarter section, and let's match up our yield to our soil test. We're not doing that. I mean, we can, you know, have a general idea, but when we talk a a lot about, uh, like on our farm, we're doing one acre soil test grids and we're matching up every GPS spot in each grid to the yield right also in that spot. And then when we're doing this on thousands of points, we can really correlate what leads to more yield, whether it's more K, more phosphorus, more whatever, or less of any of those things. So I guess just to make a distinction here, when we're talking about matching yield to soil tests, we can't do that exactly. But what we can do is tell you, okay, well, what should pay moving forward when we look at each one of these soil tests that you've sent us? Now, anyway, with your phosphorus levels, they're really, really low. I mean, like three or four parts per million. And so with phosphorus, especially in your heavy soil where it's 30 to 40 can exchange capacity, it is never going to move even an inch in a decade. So it's where you place it. And if you want to lay it on the soil surface, you certainly can. But when you do that, uh, you've got to work it into the ground. Otherwise, it's not going to get used by your plants, especially in year one. So banding absolutely makes more sense than broadcasting when we're talking about rented ground, and we want fat, the fastest possible uptake. Now it's a little bit different with a narrow row crop like oats or wheat or you know any of these small grains. people are usually planting in seven inch or 10 inch rows. So you've got a much better chance to recover things in a broadcast as opposed to when you plant in wider rows like 30-inch or 36-inch rows like we commonly see in corn or maybe even in soybeans. So I guess as far as the should I band or should I broadcast, if you're going to plant oats, I don't know that you're going to see a lot of difference. If you're going to plant corn or soybeans or some other what we would call row crop— In 30 inch rows or wider, then absolutely banding is going to make a lot of sense for phosphorus and potassium especially, and even zinc and copper because they don't move in the soil hardly at all. So that's the first thing. Um, Yes, you absolutely need phosphorus. I'd also say even though your parts per million on potassium looks fine... I'll promise you you're deficient on potassium most days of the year. Sure, there might be some days where you get enough, getting enough in there, but most days of the year you're too short because you're at 2% base saturation K or less. So would I still be putting some potassium on? Absolutely. I definitely would. Sulfur, yeah, I, I mean, you're going to need some sulfur. you got 20 pounds of sulfur in a lot of this or around there and that's just not enough for a great small grain crop or a great corn crop or almost any great crop. So I'd, I would certainly be adding at least a little bit of sulfur. Now, sulfur and nitrogen do move fairly well in the soil, so I don't have a big problem if you lay those on the soil surface and, and expect rain to move those in. That's kind of up to you. But yeah, I, I can't tell too much difference between, oh, this one field should have yielded 30 bushels more. It's really hard to say. Um, I'll look at it a little bit more during the break and see if there's something that I can, I can decipher here. Maybe there's, there is something that I'm just not noticing at first glance.
0: It's Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
2: It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Xiway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at xiway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions.
0: If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plan, do you think you could cut your farm's fertilizer expenses? Maybe you could increase your yields. Why not both? I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're devoting two full days to our Ag PhD Soils Clinic this year, January 10th and 11th at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the two most important days you spend in your farming career, and it's free. So register now at agphd.com. You're listening to Ag PhD radio broadcasting from the Martin studio today. And I, I love Brendan's question that we started things off with. Hey, I've got two fields that are rented that I can't figure out why there is about 30 bushel difference in yield in oats from one to the other when all the fertility levels look very similar. And we talk a lot about building up fertility levels and seeking certain goals and certain ratios and all those kinds of things to maximize yield potential. But this only looks at nutrients. I don't know what your situation is in terms of compaction. I don't know some of the previous history on those fields. Maybe there was something way back with herbicide carryover or uh, who knows what else. Maybe one's much better drained than the other. You know, there are just a number of different factors there that, that could change things and, and improve it. When you say oats we thirty bushels less. I think about from our own farm when we used to use high rates of trifluralin way back in the oh, early nineteen eighties, and we were still raising oats on the farm. And man, if we put oats on a field that had a high rate of trifluralin on the year before, it just killed us on yield. And I remember when Roundup Ready soybeans came out, and growers that were raising oats are like, man, I'm having the best oat yields I've ever had. Well, what are you doing for herbicide program? Well, I'm only using two shots around roundup, No residuals whatsoever. Uh, oats are a pretty weak crop. And if there's a little bit of residual chemistry out there, it, it could be enough to hurt it. So yeah, there are just a lot of different factors there, Brennan. Really appreciate the, the question and, and the soil tests and so forth. Uh, but yeah, I guess I don't really see a big difference with the soil tests either. So I think it really does come down to it being something else out there. Let's get to our our phone lines here. We got our friend Tony Wendler on. Tony, happy New Year to you. Well, thank you, Darren. Happy New Year to you also. So we did a, a resolutions show this week. And what are your New Year's resolutions heading into 2023? <laughs> uh for the farm for the farm tony Now you don't have to get into you know weight loss or i'm going to eat better those kinds of things uh no I'm, I'm thinking about the farm anything you're you're changing for this next year or, or lessons big lessons you learned from 2022
4: you know one of the one of the things that
0: i'm thinking on
4: uh and not quite a resolution but i'm going to do a little more research into it had uh, one farmer was telling me from that far away that he plants his beans very early uh in fact uh end of march early april and i'm like wow put the seed in the ground and then uh, as soon as the ground warms up it gets going and i've read some other stuff on that topic that uh the earlier you get those beans out there the more your uh, possible yields are going to be by getting the plants up and uh before june uh 21st getting the most growth you can
1: Tony, our biggest fear with that is just that it's before the first planting date for crop insurance. And I always say to people, the crop insurance companies are smarter than we are because they have everybody's data. We only usually have our own or what people tell us.
4: I I totally understand that. Frost risks everything else. Yeah. And it's way before the, uh, you know, the crop insurance um, as far as your planting dates with That's, uh, just out of curiosity, what kind of, uh, when you say they've got the data, they've got the data for risk of frost and components like that, what's your thoughts on, uh, is there a yield advantage to it?
1: Early planting does seem to have a yield advantage. Now, to say that we're going to have a yield advantage by planting the end of March or the first part of April, I seriously doubt that. What we've been doing on our farm the last couple of years is planting the last week of April, like literally the first day for crop insurance planting date. I mean, there are almost no heat units prior to that in our region of the country. So if you put it into ground where you're going to have no heat units for a couple of weeks, weeks, I, I struggle to understand how I could gain yield by doing that. Now, the thing, though, I will say is we always talk about it's not your first date you start any job. It's your finish date. And the earlier you start, the earlier you finish. Well, if my finish date is usually after the ideal planting window, then by all means, we got to take a look at either how do we speed planting or how do we start earlier. So that's where like on our farm, I mean, we put tile in the ground. So now we're able to go earlier. We've looked at even things like we've done some strip till and stuff and believe it or not, we can actually get into our strip till ground faster than we ever could with no till and faster than we can sometimes even with conventional till. And we're trying to do some things so we can make sure we're at least getting some stuff planted early. So our finish date has moved up earlier than ever. And that was probably our primary goal. Yep. Yeah, and you know
4: what you you talk about the the warmth in the ground i'm very close to the same latitude as you and he is actually he's over by worthington minnesota so he's same latitude as both of us also uh and not far away and i was i was thinking well, i'm gonna call him back and and learn a little bit more but he was pretty adamant that uh he thought he had an advantage there and i was just thinking the seed's gonna lay in the ground for weeks but uh one of the Things on his part was he's got that done. Now he's going on to corn. Yeah. So it's yeah. Time time
0: management is one of Brian's big things. He's like, you know, here's something we can always improve on. Let's let's see what we can do on time management. And and it isn't always the first date that's the problem. Like he was saying earlier, it's it's what your finish date's going to be. So I agree, and I like I like seeing what the differences in growth are on the bean plants too. If you do some side by sides and compare. Uh, that, that'd that be a good thing. And then you can see, okay, why did I get more yield or why did I have more success? Uh, was it because I filled the rows in quicker? Or was it because I was capturing more sunlight? These kinds of things. It's it, There's just a lot of things that, that could be different uh, when you change that planting date up.
4: It's a, it's a curiosity to me to maybe get the planter organized. Hey, I've been in the old school pattern of corn, then beans. Uh, But get the uh, planter organized for uh, beans, throw some out there, and then probably switch it back to corn. But you'll have something to look at then that's actually right here in front of me.
0: Yep, yep, that's for sure. Well, lots of things that a a farmer can try, and, you know, something like just changing up the planting a little bit doesn't cost any money. So I I love experiments that you can do by – not really spending much more money, and and hey, if you want to try different populations, those kinds of things. Well, I can boost it by a little bit here. I can cut it by a little bit there, and I didn't spend any more money. And I got a couple different trials out of my farm that I hopefully can learn from and and go forward and and be even more successful down the road. Hey, Tony, we're gonna to have to have you on back back on here soon with all this changing weather that we've had. Been some crazy things going on in grain bins. I've been here and we're always looking for good advice. Yep. Yeah.
4: Uh the um yeah no there's a lot of people who are talking and whether they're uh, people are looking at uh with the cold weather we've been having who freeze their corn taking the opportunity to freeze and the others who are uh holding it in the uh mid-30s uh need to go out there and be ventilating their uh their grain and i'm looking on the the schedule next week i'm thinking the conditions are gonna be right i need to run my fans for a few hours next week yeah, yeah, that's so,
0: that's for sure. Well, you just have to be out there, and I realize it's not the most fun conditions to be out there checking on things, but you gotta be out watching these things. There's a lot of dollars in those bins for sure. Hey, Tony, we got to run, but uh, glad to hear from you today. Happy New Year to you and your family, and uh, we'll talk again soon.
4: Thank you. Happy New Year to everybody at Ag PhD.
0: I bet. I appreciate that. I uh, got an email brand that came in from Alfonso who's down in Liberia, West Africa. And he said, first of all, thanks for the work you guys are doing. We're vegetable farmers here and uh, love to visit your farm someday, learn more from what you have. Or of course... You could visit us here in Liberia, West Africa. Hey, thanks for the invitation, Alfonso. We really appreciate that, and, and good luck to you. Yeah, I'm glad glad you can access the content, and it's fun to compare notes with folks who raise different crops and uh, farm in different areas around the world, because we can all learn from each other, no doubt about that. Uh, I get one that came in from RKB over in south-central Minnesota, and he said, Guys, I've got flat, black south-central Minnesota ground here. And I've got basically your blank slate scenario, phosphorus down 2 to 10 parts per million, uh, potassium as low as 119 parts per million, base saturation as low as 1.2% in in ground that has CECs of 20 to 30. So it's going to cost a little money to build it up. I just want to talk about where to start. Hey, RKB, that's that's a great question. And it is a challenge. Like you just mentioned that ground you picked up... uh, Doesn't have much fertility. Yeah, we've got some experience in that one and and some good ideas of of what's paid for us. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about jump-starting that brand-new ground, and we'll take more of your calls and questions coming up right after this. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio.
2: Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from environmental tillage systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com.
5: With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com.
0: Get the most out of every acre of your farm by attending Ag PhD's workshops and clinics this winter. I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting several free workshops throughout January and February with seven full days of events on the docket, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information that we can't wait to share. And best of all, these events are free. Register today at agphd.com.
3: CNB has a sale for you this holiday season. Save 25% on Real Tractors or Green merchandise now through December 23rd. These products promote sustainability in ag by giving back to local programs, so get some under your Christmas tree. Go to realtractorsorgreen.com and check out with promo code CNB25. Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop
2: MFG. When you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. So call Farm Shop MFG today at 712-520-6051. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient Flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions.
0: How can natural products help you raise bigger and better crops? I'm Darren Hefty. In recent years, natural products have exploded onto the market, claiming to improve soil health and plant development. There's a lot to sort through. That's why we're devoting a full day to our Ag PhD Naturals Workshop. It's Thursday, January 12th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of natural products, and we want to share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. This is Mike. Hey, he's getting a quick haircut at the local barber school.
2: It's only five bucks. How bad can it? Oh!
0: Yikes! Don't be like Mike when it
3: comes to weed control. Get the job done right the first time, and plan ahead with Status Herbicide. It delivers elite corn safety and reliable performance, so you don't have to deal with more problems than you bargained for. No! 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 no. Status Herbicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions.
0: Listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, I had a question come in just before the break from South Central Minnesota from RKB about a, a blank, blank slate type situation with some rundown ground that he picked up. We're going to get to that one here in just a second. But first, got Mike from Illinois on the phone lines here. Mike, Happy New Year to you.
6: Happy New Year to you, Darren. How's how's it going your way? Well, it's
0: white. <laughs> it's very white, here. Lots lots of that's, snow. That's what I, yeah,
6: that's what I saw. Yeah. <laughs> well, we
0: need the moisture, Mike. So I'm just yeah, going to take worked, the positive. Well, I'll take the positive here. We, yeah, we got snow yeah, out there and hopefully it stays in the field.
6: Yeah, that's where it needs to
0: be. So So what Whatever are you thinking here? End of the year, Mike, and heading into 2023, you guys working on uh, your cropping plans or working on equipment? What's happening on your farm?
6: Well, I've been trying to get my book work and uh, records all caught up for the year, and uh, been doing a little seed investigating and buying some seed and starting to work on the chemical programs for next year, and uh, probably first year, probably start working on the plant a
0: little bit, getting some repairs done on it, so... Next month's going to be pretty busy. Yeah, yeah, it is a busy time of year, and it's nice to have things you can do inside. I don't like doing the book work either, but when it's cold outside, I'm I'm happy to be at my desk every once in a while. That's that's okay. Uh, hey, you mentioned the the yeah. crop protection stuff. Were you happy this year? Did did uh, you have any trouble with weeds, or was your plan working quite well? Well,
6: we had a little bit of. Had to go back and re some dicamba beans that we got sprayed early, and and it didn't kill it, or we just had some escapes come through. Uh, it just happened on one farm, but the other farms we sprayed, it, it didn't. So I've not quite figured out what happened there.
0: Yeah, it's it's always interesting year to year, some of those differences that, that happen out in fields and trying to, to tweak things a little bit. Uh, I guess, what's your thought as you're heading into this year? What Are, are you leaning towards making a switch on some things, or...? Well, I think
6: probably we're going to go to Liberty uh, since spray instead of the dicamba since it hasn't worked that well for me and then get away from all the regulations on it. And uh, basically other than that, probably corn chemicals and everything else would be pretty much the same, but I had good control on my corn, but uh, just the beans that we weren't real happy with. So, Sure, uh, sure. I think maybe we'll go that route with the Liberty.
0: Hey, speaking about the corn, are you in an area that, that experienced tar spot or are you, are you out of that zone?
6: Well, we had tar spot. It came in, but it came in real late, and it came in past after the corn was matured and black-layered, so it really didn't harm it any um, compared to last year. We had a little bit here and there, but this year, you just didn't see much of it until real late.
0: Good. <laughs> Good. I know we get uh, we don't get tar spot yet in our area, but goss's wilt can be a problem sometimes, and uh, I'd say the same thing. If it comes really late like that, eh, it doesn't seem to be a big deal, but on the year that, that it comes early, it's sure no fun. Hey, have you found anything that helps you with the tar spot or, or makes it a little bit less as far as well, fungicide I, I, or hybrids?
6: I, I, yeah, I split a couple of fields this year, one with Pearl and one with Veltima, and, and come out that's about broke even on it. It really didn't, there wasn't enough disease pressure to really make it pay this year for me. So I don't know if I'd do the same thing next year, just kind of compare and split fields again.
0: Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's always fun uh, doing some trial work and, and seeing what works and what doesn't. And yeah, you never know. Maybe this year, maybe this year there's no tar spot at all. That would be fantastic, <laughs> but uh, it could go the other you know, way too. You never somebody, know.
6: Somebody will have it somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Somebody will have it somewhere, probably.
0: (laughs) No doubt about it. Well, Mike, thank you so much. Nice talking to you today. Happy New Year to you and your family.
6: Yep, you too, Darren. Have
0: a good one. You bet. Uh, we got Sam with us right now down in South Georgia. A little bit warmer down in South Georgia than up here, Sam. Uh, Happy New Year.
5: Thank you. much more pleasant than it was even um, five days ago here. It was down to 17 one morning.
0: Yeah, that's that's pretty cool for, for us.
5: Yeah, it is for us. High humidity and all that goes with it.
0: Yep. So, you guys still working out in the fields, or, or are you working in the office now?
5: Um, <laughs> office is at nighttime time and weekends, or, or whenever I get a minute. But we're harvesting pecans and uh, and looking at the cattle. Actually, I'm moving some cattle to another pasture as we speak.
0: Oh, awesome, awesome! Yeah, that's uh, that's fun. I like that much better than the office work too. But when it gets <laughs> this cold outside, Sam, and it's all white outside, I I'm happy for some office work.
5: Oh, I know, I understand. You. But this so, thing that always be doing office work.
0: Hey, talk to us about the pecan crop. How, how was it this year, and and what are some of the things that that help make a good crop?
5: Um, we have a decent crop. Some of the quality on a couple of varieties are not as good as others. Um, We went through a dry spell, went through some really hot weather. I think probably was contributed to that. And it was like many other things, they they dropped the price as soon as the market opened. So (laughs) we're dealing with that. And um, prices were about, 60 cent a pound average better last year, I guess. Wow.
0: So, yep.
5: There's a, there's a pretty big crop down here, I think. That's what they're predicting anyway. That's one crop you cannot just hedge like you can a bean or corn or a cattle crop. So you are usually at their mercy unless you're a really big producer and can hold them or shell them or or Contract them early, and I haven't heard any contracts lately.
0: Hey, you mentioned holding them. Uh, do you have many guys that do that, or most of the the pecans get hauled right to market?
5: Um, there's some big producers. I'm talking about 1500 to 2500 acre producers. Then I put them in cold storage till till the price goes back up, and it may or may not go back up. It's like it's like shooting crap. You know, you, you hope it will, but it depends on the Mexican crop, How might say dump on us. Um, that's been an issue in the last several years. And China has kind of gotten not so good with our market because of trade and whatever else is going on between the U.S. and them. But there were several years ago Kind of bought a bunch of them. They bought a a big um, a big percentage of our crop, and it made the price go up. Obviously.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah, that, that makes a big difference on those export markets. Hey, one last question for you, Sam. When you plant a new tree, how long does it take until it's productive?
5: Um, you can get some production in about three or four years. Then usually seven to eight. It just gets better and better and we have these new varieties now that produce quicker and uh, higher production that's what um i i planted some in the last 10 years um, a few but some of these varieties are just phenomenal and they're more uh disease resistant we have um we have a problem with nut and leaf scab down here and they they've developed some varieties that are are well, let me back up a minute. <clears throat> you never know what a can is gonna pecan, pecan, ever how you want to pronounce it, um they're about twenty or thirty years old to really know what they're going their um scalp resistance will be. And um, we had some years ago, my dad planted it in the seventies. They were look like very promising, they were a flop. We've we've gotten rid of most of those. They just wasn't suited for this area, but they're, they're doing better and better about being more selective on genetics.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, it's not like uh, corn or soybeans or peanuts or any yeah. of those crops where you pick a variety. Yeah. If you don't like it, no problem. I switch out of it, and next year I get something different yeah. with a tree. Uh, you're kind of you're set for a while. Hey, Sam, yeah. uh, keep moving those cattle around out there and enjoy that pasture as long as you can. Uh, hopefully you don't get too much more of that cold weather this winter.
5: Maybe not. It, it wreaked havoc on our winter grazing but oh, I bet. it'll come back. We we'll get it's warmer we're supposed to be seventy tomorrow, I think, and a little rain coming in, so it'll get better if um if if we don't get a lot of more cold weather. So. Yeah,
0: yeah, no kidding. Well seventy sounds awfully good, Sam. Well happy New Year to you and your family. Really appreciate having you on. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plan, do you think you could cut your farm's fertilizer expenses? Maybe you could increase your yields. Why not both? I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're devoting two full days to our Ag PhD Soils Clinic this year, January 10th and 11th at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the two most important days you spend in your farming career, and it's free. So register now at agphd.com. Get the most out of every acre of your farm by attending Ag PhD's workshops and clinics this winter. I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting several free workshops throughout January and February with seven full days of events on the docket, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information that we can't wait to share. And best of all, these events are free. Register today at agphd.com.
3: Your crop deserves the best, not just a contender. Choose a Champ brand fungicide from New Farm for proven performance in the formula you prefer. Champ Formula 2 Flowable offers exceptional mixing and stability in a liquid copper. Champ Ion comes supercharged for superior coverage in a dry formulation. Any way you turn, New Farm has the copper solution you can win with. Put a Champ in your corner at newfarm.com slash uscrop.
0: Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio, and our phone lines are open at 844 44 phd Or you can email us radio at AGphd.com We've Got Dean with us right now down in Mississippi. I don't know, Dean. First of all, happy new year and thanks for being on the show. I'll start with that. Hey, absolutely. I was gonna say, I'm Plain not sure. Off. I'm not sure why we keep talking to people down in the warm south when it's so cold up here, but. <laughs> Maybe it's supposed to it's bring a little down here today. Bring a little warmth up to the show. What what is the temperature like in Mississippi today?
7: Oh, I think it's about sixty. It's been raining on and off all morning, which is a good thing. We need the runoff. We're trying to catch it in some irrigation lakes, save it up, so we can put it out this summer.
0: You bet. You bet. Awesome. Awesome. So, what are you guys working on on the farm today? You guys out in fields working, or are you working on bookwork and that kind of stuff?
7: Well, wrapping up the year end stuff, yep, run around to a bunch of suppliers, cut the last few minute last minute checks, you know and and uh went and stomped through the machine shed and tried to see what all we need to be be starting to focus on for next year, so look at the planner a little bit and the trucks, and just just starting to try to make a game plan for next year, um yeah about the extent of a good old wintertime stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned the, the year-end checks and, and I just, uh, it seems like about every farmer I talk to, yeah, I'm working on my seed dealer, I'm working on my fertilizer guy or, or something, <laughs> yes. a lot of stuff going on. Any big any big like equipment or technology type purchases for your farm this year?
7: Oh, you know what? No, not really. You know, we had a pretty good drought down here this last year and so it's it's a lot of just looking around at the equipment we got and just Probably trying to kind of tighten our belts a little bit. Yeah. Maybe looking at some um, on-farm storage. Um, just with these markets and everything, just been really seeing the uh, the benefit. You know, with a little bit of on-farm storage we have. You know, we don't have generational money down here down south like y'all do up north. You know, we don't see the big farmsteads. Okay. And uh, so you know, just trying to get something established here, maybe for the next little guy that's coming along or something like that. You know. Looking at some grain storage. Absolutely. Um, other than that, just kind of looking forward to another year. Hopefully, it's a little more profitable than the last one. But we survived, so we have to fight another day. I say.
0: Yeah, we had drought up here too, and and we're hoping that pattern changes a little bit because, uh, like yeah. I say, we're we're getting right. snow, and we can't even really complain about the snow because we'll take any kind of moisture we can get at this point.
7: Right. Right. Uh, we really depend on our runoff so
0: you bet you bet hey on the on-farm storage are you thinking that it's going to be more corn storage or soybean storage or a little bit of both
7: um probably more corn um probably you know we don't we don't see the the we in the past we haven't seen the benefits of dryers so terrible much here but we're starting to see that you know as our acreage climbs you know being able to start that corn harvest a little bit sooner and you know there's always the phantom bushels that everybody talks about trying to capitalize on that so it's a lot of just trying to start working towards that i don't see a dryer for this next year but maybe structuring some of the some of the storage in a way that you know maybe down the line we can add a dryer to it or something like that and maybe start to capitalize on some of that stuff and get a little field work done a little sooner and and uh in the south here, field work in the fall is money in the spring yeah. every year. I mean, we just we don't see opportunities getting the field like in the spring yeah. like we would like to. So
0: Nope, I totally agree with you on that. But, the spring, you just don't know what you're going to get, and a lot of times it's kind of last yeah. minute. We'd like to be planting, and, and we still got that's, jobs we couldn't right. do in the fall. No, yep. that's cool, Dean. I, I like that. It's really good hearing about that. It'll be uh, be fun to see for this next generation when when you have some forward thinking like that. He say, "Okay, I'm going to set you guys up here." So uh, it's going to be fun well, to uh, see Dean. how much more fun it makes it for you. And then uh, hopefully you do have that next generation come back. That I know that's fun.
7: Yep. No, we're. I'm looking forward to it. Got one little boy and another little one on the way. So oh, congratulations! And, yeah. No, we're we're enthused. Sure are. Yeah, that's that is yep. awesome.
0: Well, Dean, it sounds like you guys are going to have a happy new year, but I'll wish you a happy new year anyway. And and thank you so much for being on; really appreciate it. Absolutely, no worries. You bet, uh, Brandon. We want to dive back into that question too on RKB. Speaking, of, Dean, kind of got me thinking there about uh, setting things up for for going forward. Uh, RKB over in South Central Minnesota's got the same thing again: flat black ground, really low P and K levels. Uh, he said pH down 5.5 to sums up as high as six three, And he said, here's a couple things I got, Then here's where my decisions come in. I've got some pen pack manure from dairy young stock that I plan on putting on this spring on the ground that's going to corn. And then on the soybeans- oh, Wait, beans, it, what, what's
1: the decision?
0: Well, you'll hear in a second. Uh, on the soybeans, he's planning on no-tilling, uh, and he said, I do have- fertility possibilities with my planter I can go in furrow but my curiosity here is how much fertility if I blow it out over the top will my soybeans actually be able to take advantage of this year in no-till and almost none and also what should I do first when I've got ground now that I I am trying to build up
1: oh so it's ground that is owned yes okay so first thing I would say is we want to definitely look at the soil test. So then we can help you more specifically. I'd also really encourage you, and I know it it's a little bit of cost, but I'd like to see one acre soil test grids. And you might say, oh my gosh, that's a lot of work and cost money. Yep. <laughs> I, I'm not going to disagree with you. Use a Malik 3 test though. That'll save you a lot of money. Uh, but Anyway, the reason why I'd encourage you to do that is now's your chance. When you say, hey, I'm going to work on a build program, and it might be over however many years, four years, six years, whatever it is. But the point is right now is when you can identify this variability that you got out in your field. Because even though, yes, it's really low, is it really low everywhere? So, and it, granted, if you say, well, look, how about if I build for a couple of years and then I'll do these one acre grids? I mean, you can certainly do that as well, but we're trying to help you maximize yield all the way along. And that's why we want to kind of see where you're at. But I just say this, if, if there's cause they're obviously from the tone of the question here, there's a limit to it, um, limit to what your budget is, then you've got to do a little, you might want to do a little bit of everything depending on the how low anything is. So where I'm going with this is, let's say we're already at 3% base saturation K, but we're at five parts per million on phosphorus. Well, I'm going to stick most of my dollars into the phosphorus and some of the dollars into potassium. But you don't want to forget about the micronutrients either. Zinc and copper, boron. You're definitely going to need a secondary nutrient like sulfur to go along with your nitrogen most likely. So, I mean, they're just, there's there's a lot to it, I guess. And what I'm trying to say here is rather than just saying, oh, here's this general thing, I'd prefer to be specific But if the question is just that general term of, well, what should I build first? I'm going to probably tell you everything and build each thing a little bit at a time rather than building all your phosphorus this year and all your potassium next year and all your zinc the following year. You're going to have imbalances if you do something like that. So a little bit at a time, be on a build program. And here's the other thing. So I was talking to a farmer yesterday who asked a similar question to you. And I said, yeah, we really lucked out because in 2020 on our farm, when fertilizer prices that fall, when fertilizer prices hit a 15-year low, we were ready and we bought so much potassium, it would make your head spin. And we got every field built way up. And he said, actually, we did some of that too. (laughs) So I was like, oh, well, good. That's awesome. But where I'm going with this is sooner or later, fertilizer prices are coming back down again. When they get low again, then you got to – You got to really go for it. So be prepared when that time comes. I'll also tell you, like for Darren and me, when we pick up new ground now, and granted, we farm 3,500 acres. So let's say we pick up a new 40, which uh, last year we picked up a new 70. Actually, we haven't had a chance to farm it yet. Well, if we get to farm it this year for the first time, guess what we're going to do on that 70 acres? Honestly, I don't even care about the cost of fertilizer because it's 70 acres out of 3,500. The other 3,500 is built up very well. So we're going to spend the money and we are literally going to build everything in that field to what we feel are the optimum levels of P, K, zinc, copper, boron, manganese, iron, sulfur, the whole works. Now, One last thing I'm going to leave you with, soil pH. If you're looking at pH tests from this year and knowing your area, it was a little bit dry. Assume that a 5.5 pH is not going to be a 5.5 pH in normal moisture. It might be a 5.7 or a 5.8 or something else. If you want to do some liming, be very conservative on the liming. You don't need to spend lots of money there. Chances are your tests came out a little low because of the dry conditions. Well, stay tuned. We'll get to more of your questions next.
3: This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight.
2: Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact Emerge planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground.
0: How can natural products help you raise bigger and better crops? I'm Darren Hefty. In recent years, natural products have exploded onto the market, claiming to improve soil health and plant development. There's a lot to sort through. That's why we're devoting a full day to our Ag PhD Naturals Workshop. It's Thursday, January 12th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of natural products, and we want to share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. listening to ag PhD radio on a farmer friday actually the last farmer friday of the year and uh, really excited about 2023 just right around the corner here if you've got a question for us our phone lines are open at 844 44 ag or you can always email us radio at agphd.com. it's exactly what lee did he said guys i've been listening and watching you guys now for years I occasionally hear you make references to ratios between nutrients in the soil and certain levels you're trying to build to. I want to work on building my soil nutrients to ideal levels across the farm. So here's my questions uh, What are the ideal levels or ratios of primary, secondary, and micronutrients to each other? And then I am growing corn, soybeans, and hay with a cation exchange capacity on average 11. And a pH right at 6.5, uh,
1: if that determines anything on where you want those nutrients Both to those be. Both those things make a lot of difference. So pH, that's the first thing we're always looking at. So if it's already 6.5, that's ideal. In terms of 11 cation exchange capacity, we now have to be careful. Because like on our farm, I want my boron level at 5 parts per million. I can't get the boron level to five parts per million on your farm, I'm going to assume, because my guess is you don't have enough calcium there to safen that boron. There just simply isn't enough holding capacity in your soil. So what I'm trying to say here is my goals on my heavy ground where the ground's frozen five months out of the year and we barely get any rain... Um, it's almost laughable how little rain we've had in the last two and a half years. So for us to have the crop we've had, my gosh, we have been blessed. It's been unbelievable. But anyway, I'll just tell you on our farm first, and then I'll tell you like for your ground what I would do. And this kind of goes into right before the, the last break here, we were talking about building soil up. Okay, so what, what would I like ideally on my farm? I'd like my base saturation potassium to be seven percent. I'd like my malic three phosphorus to be one hundred and fifty. I'd like my zinc to be. Uh, it's probably got to be 20, 25, something like that. And uh, that's
0: and that's one of those ratio things. Yep, Depends exactly. on how high you want that phosphorus.
1: Now, this is one of the things we've really just seen here is we've switched to malic three tests, all malic three tests in the last couple of years. We used to think that ratio was close to ten to one. Now, uh, like with a DTPA test and a P one phosphorus level. But with the malic three and the zinc, it's more like five to one. So, I mean, let's call it malic three. Let's say we wanted our phosphorus level to be 100. That would mean I'd got to have my zinc at 20. If I want to go to 150, then I got to get my zinc up to 30. But the thing is, you got to think long term about some of the decisions you make on the farm. For example, I can suck that phosphorus out of the ground in just a few years. I can literally take it all. The zinc, it would take me decades to suck it all out. So I've got to think about the long term. And granted, I'm probably going to be managing the farm for a while, but on my ground. But let's say that my kids take over or they, I die and they rent it out to somebody. Well, if you've got enough zinc for decades and you only have enough phosphorus for three or four years, you know what everybody else, how everybody else farms. They're going to mine everything out of the ground and they're going to get it down to nothing. So I can't I I don't want to get my zinc way too high just because I like higher phosphorus levels. So anyway, I know that's a long discussion, but I mean, we can talk more about that some other time if you got specific questions. Anyway. Manganese and amelic-3, I'd like to be 50 parts per million. Iron, I'd like to probably, I have to be at least 50 parts per million and preferably a little more. Copper, I'd like to be at least three parts per million. And here again, we're kind of looking at the phosphorus to zinc, or sorry, phosphorus to copper ratio, somewhere around 30 to 1. So if I was around 100 parts per million on a Malik-3 test of phosphorus, that would put me at 3.3 parts per million on copper, somewhere around there. But one of the discussions Darren and I were just having yesterday is should we really bump our copper up to five? We're going to try a little bit of that and see if we get any advantage out of going to five in terms of better disease tolerance and things like that. Uh, Boron for my farm, five parts per million. Sulfur, 100 parts per million a little bit of molybdenum, a little bit of copper, and that's kind of where I'm at. On your farm, though, because of your light soil, you can't build up to 100 parts per million on sulfur, and you should not build up to 5 parts per million on boron. So if I was you, I'd shoot for between 1 and 2 parts per million on boron, most likely, and on sulfur, I'd probably be shooting for... 30 or something like that. But just understand, sulfur and boron are going to leach just like nitrate is. So you're going to have to probably continue to spoon feed those as you go.
0: All right, that's a lot of numbers there. You might have to re-listen to that <laughs> just to write all that down. Well, and keep or up. you
1: can come to our Ag PhD Soils Clinic that we're going to be doing here in just a couple of weeks. It's a two-day workshop. It's free, and we'll talk about how to read a soil test and then some of these differences, because there is a big difference if you get an 11 can exchange capacity versus like a 25, which is real common on our farm. So 11 we'd consider medium to almost light soil, whereas the 25 we've got, it's pretty darn heavy.
0: All right. Thanks for the for the question. I got this one in from Stan. He said, I heard Brian talking about status as the best option for battling the vining species, yep. like morning glory Definitely. and burr cucumber. Definitely. So a couple of follow-up questions here about which tank mix partners you'd use, residual partners, what do you think about group 15s, and then also... Yep. Do, you like, do I need glyphosate in the tank mix? Is it going to yep. add enough to the other yep. weeds that it's worth it, even if it's not the best on some of these vines?
1: Yeah, because it's going to help you out on all the grass species. Everybody that threw, I shouldn't say everybody, most farmers I've talked to that took Roundup out of the tank said, you know, that probably wasn't the smartest move. I, I didn't get the best weed control and I missed out on some of these grass species and other things. And And I will say, I told people, don't take the Roundup out of the tank. If you want to cut the rate in half, fine, but at least have enough in there so you can kill the grass. I mean, we've been through this high-priced Roundup thing before. It happened in 2008, and that's what we had people do, is just run full rate of the broadleaf herbicide and half rate of the Roundup, and it was great. Well, now it's almost a requirement because, let's face it, Roundup doesn't kill some of your worst broadleaf weeds. But anyway, status is amazing. And I, I just say this. It, it's because a lot of people think, oh, it's just dicamba. No, it's not even close to just dicamba. It's got a whole different mode of action that you don't get in any other chemistry. appear. Sure, there's a little bit of dicamba in there, but not much.
0: Well, plus it's there's kinda, a corn safe there. that dicamba is kind of like adding AMS to Liberty. It's needed to make the the AMS is needed to make the Liberty work. The little bit of dicamba in there really makes the appear work. So yes, that's the primary one that we're talking about there. And you know, as far as tank mixes, I like atrazine when I'm battling burr cucumber, especially uh, the group yep. 15s, I,
1: I don't use mind that the group pre. 15 in there. I'm fine no, with no, that. No, no, yeah, We, we want to use a group 15 right. in combination somehow with this status and use the but, full rate. But here's the other thing. We've we've seen better
0: luck using the HPPDs pre, like something that's got- Wait, whoa, whoa,
1: whoa. You just said HPPDs. HPPDs
0: pre, something what? like Balance Flex, has what? been better on those types of oh, weeds. Oh, on with bird cucumbers yes, specifically. Because I don't like HPPDs pre as a general statement. It doesn't work over the top. So you may incorporate a little bit of that in there, if if you can, with your, your soils and your rotation and whatnot. But if not, you can just go with the group 15. Otherwise, yeah, adding the group 15 in with that first post app for a little bit more residual is nice. And the other one that's kind of sneaky, Brian, on some of those vines, Cadet seems to add something to it. That's a PPO. It doesn't have a lot of residual, but just adds a little more okay. burn.
1: Okay. Now. I want to comment on two things Darren said, just so you don't misunderstand what he was saying. We like HPPDs pre-emerge for bur cucumber and maybe a couple other weeds only. Almost every other weed on the planet, I want my HPPD post. So, loudest Callisto, Impact, Amazon, I'd way rather have those post-emerge so I can kill water hemp, Kosha, lamb's quarters, a number of those kind of weeds. So that that's one thing. With the group 15 in combination, I'd way rather have you do, typically, a group 15 pre-emerge and then follow with whatever my broadleaf herbicide is and I'm going to have better control. And then finally, on this status deal, status all by itself on almost every broadleaf weed on the planet is, if you're really worried about it, just go with the full rate. It's seven and a half ounces, and I know you're going to hate the price and you're going to complain, but you're going to kill every single broadleaf weed. You don't need anything in combination. But if you want to run the lower rate and run five ounces, like most people do, then throwing a little bit of atrazine in is okay. I was just talking to an agronomist this morning, and he was—he—he he just told me. Uh, Hey, I've got this weed disaster and the guy's really worried about it. And I'm like, Lee, just run with the high rate of status. He goes, well, it's expensive. I go, okay, well, this year of all years, you got good commodity prices. This is the year. Just kill all the weeds. If you have to kill the weeds, kill the weeds. Status will do it. It's amazing.
0: Well, happy new year to to you and your family and hope to, uh, be talking to you again very soon, right after the first of the year. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.